0: Good morning, Faith Church. Welcome, welcome. I am glad that you are here on this cloudy Sunday morning. Come on in and grab a seat. Well, I am excited that you are here to worship the Lord with yeah. the bar- with the Bride of Christ this morning. Yes. I'm excited to be here as well. There are a few things. Hopefully you grabbed a bulletin on your way in from... Our friend Gary in the back, but I want to highlight a couple things with a few details for you. Um, we are so excited this weekend this coming weekend is the Remnant radio the first ever remnant radio conference woo and we are so excited to get to play um, a, a role in that to be a help uh, a helpmate if you will in that process um, Faith Church has had a hand in helping pull together some of the logistics to make that happen um, because we are passionate about the body of Christ understanding what it means to walk in the fullness of of Christ, the fullness of our purpose, the fullness of bringing the kingdom to bear on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and so we are excited to uh, be partnering with Remnant Radio to do that. You can still sign up. We um, finally, uh, the Lord brought more people than they were expecting, and so we had to change venues. And um, he has provided a venue. We will be, that Remnant Radio conference will be at um, True Vine Church, and that's on the west side of Statesville. Um, so we have, we have plenty of space. So if you have not signed up, you can still sign up. Uh, in the next few days, you can go to um, the Faith Church uh, website, faithchurchstatesville.org, and sign up there. It's not too late. We would love to have you. Um, that conference starts Thursday, this Thursday, at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. And more details are online, of course. And then um, not obviously today, but next Sunday, one week from today, Michael Roundtree will be here um, uh, as our guest speaker. Now, if you're not familiar with Michael Roundtree, Michael Roundtree is the co-host of Remnant Radio. He he was also discipled by Jack Deere and then uh, ultimately ended up um, pastoring uh, when Jack Deere left his church. Michael Roundtree uh, became the lead pastor there. But most recently, I believe uh, last year, Michael Roundtree stepped into the lead pastor position at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City, taking over for Sam Storms. So um, Michael is uh, uh, a wonderful man of God, and we are excited um, for him to minister here next Sunday. Um, a couple things, though, about next Sunday. Um, our prayer time, our pre-service prayer, um, which you're all always welcome to every morning, Next Sunday, because we'll be having two services with Michael Roundtree, our pre-service prayer starts at 8.20. 8.20, our doors open for pre-service prayer. Um, Our two services will be at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. The 9 a.m., there will be nursery and faith kids. The 11 a.m., we'll just have nursery. Um, So that's a reminder for everybody. I know we've talked about that. We're just trying to make sure everybody knows. Tell all your friends. Lastly, I am very excited. I was just telling Charles last night. I am so excited. We already have dates because for some reason our culture makes us plan our summers out in February. Um, But our vacation Bible school camp is June 24th, 25th, and 26th. We are so excited. It's going to be called Keepers of the Kingdom, and that is our VBS camp. Uh, We are so excited. It includes all kids, all youth, all the way up through 12th grade. So mark your calendar, save the date, June 24th through the 26th, for Kingdom, uh, Keepers of the Kingdom Vacation the bottom again. <laughs> um, all right, you guys. Well, let's turn our hearts from from kingdom logistics uh, to kingdom worship, to the worship of the Lord. A um, couple things I feel like the Lord wanted me, well, a scripture, I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to um, bring to our gathering this morning. It's Jeremiah nine twenty three, And if you guys would stand with me as we read the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 9 23 says thus says the Lord let not the wise man boast in his wisdom let not the mighty man boast in his might let not the rich man boast in his riches but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Father, I thank you that you delight in steadfast love, that you delight in justice, that you delight in righteousness, God. Lord, help us understand and know you. That is the cry of our heart gathered here to meet with you this morning. Father, let this be a time where we are not just here to consume what you have for us. But God, let it be a time where your bride right here lavishes you with praise and glory and honor. That we would do so because we serve a God who delights in love and justice and righteousness. God, you are great. and Your name is greatly to be praised. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Yeah. Well, good morning. What an introduction. Are you ready to enter the Lord's presence uh, with thanksgiving and praise? In Psalm 24, it says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord of mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? Read it with me. The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. All right, let's lift our voices and let's welcome him in. do in Sunday morning, our our pre-service prayer is just to change your posture. So I want to encourage you right now to change your posture. If you're standing like this, then do something with your hands. Maybe you want to kneel. What does it look like to adore someone? Just lifted your voice except for when we're singing. Lift that voice right now to the Lord.
2: on the screen what we're going to sing but i just feel don't want to rush the moment i feel his presence here the weight of it a trembling
1: It begins with us.
3: got to learn this by now, 50 weeks in the Word each week, one chapter, one verse, one Bible study. Uh, We do this as a uh, church. There's 70-some people that signed up to to memorize and uh, study one chapter a week. We're in Genesis chapter 12, or we were in Genesis chapter 12 this last week, and here's the verse, and then we're going to say it together. Can I get control of my PowerPoint? Thank you. Thank you. All right, you see it? Now, the Lord. Your kindred and your father's house, and to the land that I will show you. Genesis 12, 1. Now, you may be seated. Unless you messed up, you have to stay standing. (laughs) Sit down, sit down. All right, we're fi- We're finishing out uh, rooted spiritual disciplines, and this is really going to tie in to what I talked about uh, at this point three weeks ago. Um, we want healthy balance. We want to pursue spiritual disciplines, and uh, we want to pursue spiritual disciplines and experiencing God. Um, can I get my PowerPoint again, please? If we pursue only discipline without experience, we risk having a legalistic mindset. If we pursue experience without spiritual disciplines, then we risk being tossed to and fro. We want to give life to our discipline and lasting change to our experience. So it's been a few weeks, uh, a couple weeks since I've been up here, two weeks ago, um, we had uh, Michael, and he had to give an abbreviated message on silence and solitude. And then last week, we were uh, joined by Dr. Dennis Sempebwa and we had a powerful uh, time there. Um, but what I want to do is recap what we talked about two weeks ago between, uh, when we were talking about repentance and and confessing your sin, and the difference between the two. Repentance means to turn away from your sin, to turn towards Jesus, and to pledge your allegiance to him and him alone. That's what repentance is. It is declaring that Jesus is Lord, and when we repent and when we declare that Jesus is Lord, this is what saves us and puts us in right standing with God. And that's different from confessing your sins. Confessing your sins brings spiritual healing to us and can bring physical healing as well, according to James chapter 5. And if we confuse the two, we run into two problems. First, there are a lot of people who felt bad about things that they did. They felt bad for sins that they had committed, and they said, sorry, and they called it confessing their sins. But all they were doing was acknowledging, like, hey, I messed up, hey, I sinned, Uh, God, I feel really bad about it. But they didn't actually turn and go towards Jesus. They never repented and made Jesus the Lord of their life, which is what saves us, according to Romans chapter 10, right? And so there are people out there that think they're saved when all they were was they felt guilty for a few minutes. There are people that think they're saved when they may not be. And then there are those who have, we have made Jesus Lord of our life, we have repented, we've turned for our sin, we've gone to him, but we've never actually sat down and dealt with the stuff that's that's hindered us and that's uh, bound us up, and so we've never actually confessed sin, and especially we're really afraid to confess sin to one another Even though James says that when we do that, we could be healed. So when we don't do that, we we leave healing on the table. We don't take it, whether it's spiritual or physical. So in our last week in the Rooted series and continuing, uh, this is part two of, hey, what's wrong with you? But it's not said like that. It said, hey... I, I want to talk. I'm going to talk about sin this morning, and I want to be specific about the things that the Bible says about sin, because there are some of us in here that you struggle with things and you don't know why. You struggle and you have no God. Why do I keep struggling with this? Why is this a problem with me? And and we've put um, all these things under the word sin, right? Because look, we had to continue this because there's more wrong with you, okay, and there's <laughs> more wrong with me too. But we lump all this bad stuff. All this stuff that we do that's apart from God, we all lump it under one big umbrella word, sin. And we, I want us to, to, we have to change our thinking. We have to get in the right mindset about this. Because if we're in the wrong, okay, there's, there's been a financial, um, there's been a financial disagreement in my household uh, as of late. And it revolves around gift cards, Okay. I have about $75 in gift cards to Macy's, right? And me and my wife have a disagreement on how I'm supposed to view those gift cards. So, uh, I I don't know, a couple months ago, I was going to clean out one of these nonstick pans that we have. I put it on the burner just to heat it up, and then I was going to wipe it clean and do all that. And I forgot it was on the burner. And Lauren's like, "What's?" I'm sitting on the couch and watching TV or something. And Lauren's like, what smells? I was like, oh, no. And I jumped up. I ran. And I pulled it off. But it was, it was too late. It was all messed up. So I wanted to buy a new one. And we went to Macy's um, to return some stuff. And the kids were going shopping. And I have like $75 to Macy's. And Lauren says, you should pick up uh, a nonstick pan while you're here. <laughs> and I said, OK. And we're going to take a poll at the end. So listen carefully, OK. <laughs> So so we, there's a, there, I go and I go to the, the, the section, the kitchen section and I'm looking for the nonstick pan and, um, and I, I find it and there's, there's two of them in it and it's $50 for two nonstick pans. See, the problem I have is that I got my nonstick pan for $12.99 at TJ Maxx. Same brand, same brand, same everything. And I could not bring myself to buy it. I said I can't do it. That's just too much. I know there's a better deal. I can go to TJ Maxx. I can go somewhere and get it for cheaper. And Lauren says, "Yeah, but that does that money doesn't come out of our pocket if you just use your gift card here." And she's like, "You have to say like you have to think about it like it's not real money." I said, "But it is real money." It's like, "No, get it here because this is where we have the gift card." And, I, and then I say, "No," and we have okay. So who thinks Lauren's right? I should just pay the extra, right? all right. Who thinks I should just go to TJ Maxx and it should come out of my account? All right, thank you. Thank you. I feel justified. But but see, I, right? Okay. And, and that man went home feeling more justified than the sinner. Um, okay. Okay. We have to change. the And so Lauren's imploring me to change the way I think. I'm imploring her, change the way you think. We have to change the way we think when we think about this thing that we've put under this big umbrella of just sin, because the Bible talks about the ways that we fall short of God's standard in very distinct and different ways. Just like repentance was one word, and confessing our sins was another word, and confusing the two uh, keeps us in the dark about what's really happening, it's the same thing with sin. And three of the most common, the English words, and we'll get, get into all of it, are sin, Transgression and iniquity look we 're going to go after it this morning we 're going to go we're going to go we 're going to get a little bit deep here when we talk about iniquity i 'm going to go through sin and transgression somewhat quickly because it, this is the stuff that you know but I, I want to get to iniquity so if you're not if you 're not keeping up if you 're not able to understand that 's okay listen to it again email me questions i want I want us to get this. And, and, and I don't know that I'm gonna explain it as well as I can. I'll, let me do something really quick because um, I noticed this this morning. Is there anybody in here this morning? I put my notes on the back wall every week. Is there anyone in here this morning that wanted a copy of my notes that was not able to get them? Just raise your hand. Okay, all right. I'll know I have to print a few more next week. I keep having to up it because you guys keep taking them. And I think that's a good thing. We're going to read out of Isaiah 53. And I wanted and I wanted to, um, I wanted to just cut this in half. I just wanted to take part of Isaiah 53, but as I was reading it, I was like, no, I'm just going to read the whole chapter. It's a warm-up because this is one of our chapters. I believe it's next month. This is one of our chapters. Who has Isaiah 53? Is it next month? Yeah, it's just in a few weeks. So we're going to get a, a highlight here. Um, so if you want to turn to me with Isaiah 53, I'm just going to read the whole. Chapter Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as from one whom men hide their faces. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be counted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Everything that we do from this point, I want you to frame it with the background of Isaiah 53. I want you to keep this passage, this chapter in mind as we go, because now we're just going to deal with all your junk. All right, we're just going to deal with it all right now. If 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 you're not ready to deal with it, too bad. I'm forcing you right now. You have to at least think about it the first thing, first thing, sin, transgression, iniquity, sin. It's the first thing. The word in the Old Testament is cheta. The word in the New Testament is harmatia. And this means falling short of the mark that God has set for you. And this is whether you know the mark or not. It's whether you know the standard or not. I remember the first time I was driving out to the North Carolina coast, I was going on the men's fishing trip, and we were driving out to Fort Caswell. And one thing that's different about the North Carolina coast and getting to the the beach here, as opposed to going in California, is that there's no interstate that leads to the beaches here. It's so aggravating. If I want to go in California, I could take a highway to the exit and be at the beach five miles off the exit. I don't have to go through all these podunk little back towns and... I, I'm sorry if you're from there. It's, here, here's the problem. Here's a problem that I run into is that you're driving and the speed limit's 70. So I'm cruising at 75, right? Let's be honest. We're being real, dealing with all our junk. I'm cruising at 75 and then it drops to 60 and you don't know it. And I'm driving, and I'm like 60, 65. Okay, let's go. If a cop, if I, if I don't notice the speed change and I still am going 75 and it's a 60, this actually happened to me when I first moved here too, when the, the exit, going off by Davis Hospital, getting on to 40 to get 77 to get home, it was 55. I just moved here. I didn't know it was 55. I was going, I thought it was 65, so I was going 72 and, <laughs> and I kept going and I was going 72 and a 55 and a cop pulled me over. He's like, you were speeding. I was like, yeah, not much. I didn't say that, but I was like, "Yeah, no." It's like, "Yeah, you were going 15 over." I was like, "It's only 55 here." He said, "Yes." It's like license and registration, and I was hoping that I still have my California license with me, so I could hand that to him, and he'd be like, "Oh, he's a he's a newcomer. Maybe I won't ticket him." Anyway, if the cop stops me going to the beach, and he says, "You were going over the speed limit," I'm like, I don't know what the speed limit is. Doesn't matter. Here's your ticket. Hmm. That's what they do. I know. I've had, I got two since I've been here, two. <laughs> right doesn't matter. And you've all done it. You've all fallen short. That's what the Bible says. I've done it. You've done it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's not living up to the standard that God has set, but then it's also it's also this concept that, that hey, we, there's things that are good that we know to do, and then when we don't do them, that means we fall short of God's standard. In James chapter 4, it says, so if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, to him it is sin. Look, God has set a standard for you, for me, for everyone. God has set a standard for you to live by, and you do not meet that standard despite your best efforts. You just don't. It's our reality. And you'll say, and you might say to me, yeah, Charles, but I'm trying. I know we all are, but you still need Jesus even if you're trying. You still need Jesus. I'm doing the best that I can. Good, keep the fight going. You still need Jesus. Because it's his standard. It's his, it's the way he's designed it. That's sin, And then there's transgression. And transgression, the word in the Old Testament is pisa. And this meaning is closest to the word trespassing or crossing a line willfully. So sin is the stuff that you fight against even though you're trying your best and you don't want to go into it, but you're still fighting against it. Transgression is the place where you walk up to the line and you say, I know it's there, but I don't care. And you do it, and then you go, no, God, sorry, forgive me, forgive me, I'm turning back to you, forgive my sin, take my sin, make me white as snow, and then you might never do it again. Or you might find yourself right back there, you go, I know, no, I know, no, I I hear you, no, I know, Uh, no, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, right, and then you might never ever do it again. Or you might go, I'm not going to keep doing that, but you, you get the point. <laughs> and when I was a, a youth pastor, my kid, the kids would always ask, well, well, how far is too far? With anything, any topic you bring up, how far is too far? How close can we get to the line? without going over it, and I would tell them, if you're asking that question, you've already lost the battle. If you're asking that question, how far can I go? You've already lost. Because the question isn't, how far can I go and God still be okay with me? The question is, God, what do you want me to do and where do you want me to go? And he doesn't want to lead you anywhere close to that line. But this is what transgression is. And so when David sleeps with another man's wife and then kills that man, so his sin won't get found out, he says, look, I know where I've overstepped the bounds and every way that I've fallen short is before me. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He knows it. This is, you have to understand this transgression when Paul talks about the law and transgressions in Romans. Because here's what he says, for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgressions. Paul is not saying that the, before the law, nobody sinned. Because they all did. They all, everybody still fell short before the law was given to Moses. Everybody still fell short. But they couldn't willfully overstep the boundaries until they knew what the boundaries were. And the law brought the boundaries. And so they, couldn't, they could sin before the law, but they couldn't transgress. They couldn't uh, walk in transgression before the law. That's, That's why we have to know the difference. So when we read the Old Testament, when we read these words, we understand what it's actually saying. Okay, And we all know, for the most part, when we step over the line. We all know. The first time you do it, the Holy Spirit goes, gotcha. I see it. I saw it. You know I saw it. Come back to Jesus. He forgives. He is faithful. He's waiting for you. And the second time it's like a hey, I gotcha. Not gotcha. It's like, hey, I saw that. You know I saw it. Come back to Jesus. We do it again, then it's a hey, I saw that. You know I saw that. Come back to Jesus. But but when we keep transgressing, it does something to us. It calluses us. Hardens the the Bible will say it hardens our heart to when one time we might do it and we hear silence. And then what happens is some people then, some people then say, oh, well, God must accept it now. God must be okay that uh, I'm, I'm having sex with my girlfriend or boyfriend. God must be okay that I'm going out and doing drugs god must be okay that i'm drinking and right? silence does not equal consent in god's economy and transgression over time will change you and as it starts to change you it 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 doesn't transform but it reaches this level of iniquity this is where we're going to camp right? This is iniquity. The word is aeon in the Old Testament. And this is continued transgression that changes a person, a people, or a land. It changes a person, a people, or a land. In Joshua, in the first couple chapters, they're gonna go fully and utterly destroy, um, devote to destruction, enemies of God who are in the land of Canaan that was promised to the people of Israel. And he tells them, don't leave anything and do not take anything from their camp. Don't take any of the materials. Don't take any gold. Don't take any of their idols. Don't take any of it. Okay, so they go and they conquer because God is fighting their battles for them. This was a year and a half ago or so where we went through Joshua. God fighting their battles for them and they win. And then they go out for the next battle, and they think, we, God has been fighting our battles. He's going to continue to fight our battles. They go out, and they get beat. They get slaughtered. They have people dying. And they turn around, and like, what happened? And God tells Joshua, somebody didn't follow the rules. And so they started to cast lots, and they went from, uh, from tribes to families to this particular family, till the lot fell on one man named Achan. And he went to his tent and he said, well, I took some stuff from our last battle. And he said, you did the devote, you took that? Because he took that, because he went directly against what God said, they lost battles and people died. People not related to him, people who didn't know him. It changed the people. It changed the battle. And so they had to deal with Achan and his family outside of the camp. And in Joshua 22, they're talking about it. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, break faith in the matter of the devoted things? And wrath fell upon the congregation of Israel. And he did not perish alone for his iniquity, not his sin, not his transgression, for his iniquity. Iniquity is sin that you commit, that, that, that these transgressions that you do that become so much a part of who you are that they start to have effect on the people around you and the people around you suffer because you have been changed by your sin. It happens to a city in Genesis 19 in Sodom and Gomorrah says, as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the, the, the ESV translates it, punishment. But the actual word there is iniquity. It's aeon. So lest you be swept away in the iniquity of the city. The city had been radically changed by all the sin being committed in it. Right. You want to know why some cities are better off than others? Look at the sin that the city commits. says you're going to get swept away in it. Right? So the sin, so so not only do, does the sin affect the people committing it, but the sin of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was going to affect Lot and his family. They were righteous, but if they didn't leave, they were going to get swept away in the wrath of God too. And this seems like a lot, right? Because you have sin, and you know your sin, you know where you fall short. You have your transgressions, you know where you cross the line. And now maybe you're sitting here like, wait, now I have to worry about other people's sin too? Like now I have to worry about how my sin affects the people around me, my family, my generation? That's bad news, but there's good news. Is that Jesus takes it all. I told you, frame everything in Isaiah 53. So if you're feeling a little bit hopeless right now, you didn't listen to me and you didn't do what I said, but that's okay because we're gonna come back to it right now. Jesus takes it all because he was pierced for our transgressions. So every time you willfully step over the line and you come back and he accepts you back, he accepts you back because a Roman soldier took a spear and shoved it up beneath his ribs into his heart so he would die. He was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. So every time sin changes you, where you go to it so much that it changes you and affects others, every time he was whipped, every time he was beaten, every time he was bludgeoned, it was for your iniquity. He bore the sins of of many I can't bear I can barely bear my own sins I don't want to bear yours I don't want to bear the sins of many and yet Jesus willfully did it on the cross and he took it all In Psalm 51 David He differentiates between all of this and he he pleads to God. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He is asking for three different things to happen there. He's not asking for the same thing Three different ways. He's asking for three different things. He says, I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and be blameless in your judgment. I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And he says, if you purge me with hyssop, I will be clean. And if you wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David knows what's happening in his heart, in his life, in his soul, in his spirit. He's asking for it all. Jesus made the pathway for us to be rid of the effects of sin and transgression and iniquity. Keep that in your mind. Keep that in your mind. We're going to talk about the danger of iniquity. The Bible, I think I've shown, clearly shows that we can be affected by the iniquity of others. David wasn't the only one affected by his iniquity. A man was killed for it. A baby was stillborn. A woman was made an adulteress. God wipes it all. There's Achan. You can see in Acts how the sins of a city overtake the city. And then Paul goes in and upsets the natural order of things. And our iniquity can affect others. So in those places where we become hardened. In Exodus 34, 6-7, the Lord's teaching this to Moses. It says that the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, right? It doesn't start with our sin. It starts with God's steadfast love. It doesn't start with our transgressions. It starts with his graciousness. It doesn't start with our iniquity. It's all about his faithfulness. That's what he's reminding him. And it says he forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And here's a problem. He visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. He doesn't visit sin. He doesn't visit transgression. He visits iniquity. Like the sin of someone, it can be great in God's eyes. And so much that it actually goes down the generational line. Look, if if I'm driving and I'm under the influence of alcohol and I run into a tree and I'm alive and the cops get me, I can go repent and God will forgive me of my sins, but I will still have ramifications to work out in my life. Physically, the justice system. I probably wouldn't work here anymore. There'd be a lot that I'd have to deal with. This is is how it is with iniquity. He forgives it, but we can still feel the ramifications in it. And this is what generational iniquity is. What What people in our generational line have done can have effect on us. And that's really difficult to understand and to get, but it's part of how, how, how family is important. It's, uh, it's the importance of fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and sons, and it's the importance of, of what God commanded them to do. Always teach your kids. Love the Lord, your God, your heart with all your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Teach this to the kids put it on doorposts, put it between your eyes, put it, bind it as a sign on your hands, do everything you need to do. And when that, that, that line is crossed, then, then something happens in the generation. Now, I'm, I'm gonna step away from pure biblical interpretation and I wanna bring in how science reveals how this actually happens in us. If, if you've been in any of my teachings on uh, uh, spiritual freedom and deliverance, and you might, uh, you might have heard me mention, but I never really explained it a lot. Th- there's a scientific field called epigenetics. There's a scientific field. It's called epigenetics. You don't have to remember that. It's, it's not a fun word to remember. You know? But epigenetics says that the actions or trauma of a person can change the physical genetics of their children and grandchildren. They actually study this now. Right. That 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 the things that we do, it I don't I read it I, I understand it for the most part like eighty percent, but it doesn't change our DNA, but it changes the way that our DNA reacts to outside triggers. That that's the that's the gist of it. So one of the one of the main ways that they study this is um, in alcoholism. That alcoholism—if your—if your parent is an alcoholic—you have a far greater chance of being alcoholic, right? And so many times we'll say, "Well, it's because you know they see it and it's normalized," and uh, no, it's because of generational iniquity. They just don't know what that is. They're just into social science, and I'm in a biblical science, right? So our physical actions actually change the way that we respond to things and we pass it on to our children or it could have been passed on to you. Look, there's one study, one of the biggest studies, said that genetic, uh, they, they studied um, uh, children and grandchildren of people who had survived the Holocaust. Now, is there, I mean, that's about as big of trauma as you can have, this is the going through the Holocaust. And and they, they they said that that genetic changes stemming from the trauma suffered by Holocaust survivors are capable of being passed on to their children. That's what that's what like a medical, scientific, probably anti-God, anti-biblical. That, this is what they said. They're describing to you generational iniquity right there. Right? if if we suffer trauma it can pass down so how does this play out in our real world you say okay i kind of get the concept charles what what would i look for what what should what should i understand here's a few ways physical ailments it can pass down through physical ailments i go um i go to uh, uh, if somebody comes to me and they ask for Healing prayer, they want me to pray for their healing. I'll ask some questions about it. And something that always makes my eyebrows go, hmm. I don't, I don't do that outwardly. Sometimes I do, but most of the time I can control it. But inside I'm going, hmm. Well, my dad had this same condition. And his dad had it too. And Well, I mean, come to think of it, I think his dad had it too. Oh yeah, when did it start for you? Uh, when I was about 35, when did it start for your dad? That when he was about 35. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just something to think about. Right. It, it, it's spiritual battles as well. Did you know that, that if uh, a child comes from a, a household of divorce, they're astronomically more um, likely to divorce in the future? And the social scientists will say, well, you know, they've, they've dealt with this, and so it, it manifests itself this way. And they've seen that this can happen. Yeah, you're just describing generational iniquity—that when a family is ripped apart, where God says, "Hey, don't let, don't tear apart anything that uh, what, what God has put together. Don't let man, anybody take apart." Right? And look, I'm not saying that if you're divorced, you're super sinful, and you're God also gives times where divorce is the option that you might have to choose. And sometimes it's not even your choice. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you've been through that, your children are fighting a spiritual battle, and they will fight a spiritual battle as they date, and as they get engaged, and as they marry, and you should be aware of it so you can pray it off of them. All right? So I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just raising awareness. But there's a reason why children of divorce divorce more often. There's a reason why these things show up. You suffer for the same traumas. Mom or dad was abused in some way. And so they're on guard. Then they find out years later that their child was abused the same way. And then their grandchild was abused in the same way. There's, there's like a, it's almost like a marker for the enemy. You battle the same thoughts, emotions and actions as people up your ancestral line. Anger, death, fear, shame. If I have a kid that, that somebody wants me to pray for, or I see and I, I just see a lot of fear and anxiousness, and the parents don't know where it came from. Half the time, I can look at the parent and be like, I know where it came from. <laughs> like you think, it's, you think it's a separate issue, but it's not. These things pass through. I think that countries and land can hold on to generational iniquity as well. I think there's something big in the U.S. still with slavery. I'm not going to make any political statements. I'm going to make some spiritual statements that I believe might be true. I'm not going to confess that or proclaim that, that I have this all figured out. But I got to thinking about this a little bit more when my wife came back from South Africa. And she said, the churches there are so much more diverse there's white Africans and there's black Africans and there's Indian people and there's British people and there's there's all, all sorts of in-between and it's all that the churches are just so much more diverse. There's so much less separation there. Not that everything's perfect. Even in the culture, there's far less racial tensions there. They had apartheid in my lifetime. Like, Okay, I'm coming to grips with how old I'm getting. I understand that. But in my lifetime, they were fighting over racial issues. And somehow the churches there have figured it out. And we're still struggling with it. A hundred years after slavery ended, Martin Luther King stood up and he said, Hey, I have a dream. And I see, and, and there was this kind of like, yes, this is awesome. And then it's, it goes, it gets better, and then it goes back down. And we're in a place where racial tensions are high. Not as high as the media wants to say it, but they're still high. We're 200 years later and we haven't figured it out. And I started to think, well, what's the difference? The, the, the white people leading apartheid said, we are sorry. Will you forgive us? And Nelson Mandela, as a representative for his people, stood up and said, we will forgive you. Amen. That's never been done in America. Or if it's done, it's been politically motive, motivated or politically biased or, or, or just put on for show. I think something <laughs> happened there as forgiveness was asked for and repented and forgiveness was granted that it broke the hold of some generational iniquity that the United States can't figure out still. Okay, and if the black person in church is saying, "Come on, Pastor," it might be on something, we'll talk later. <laughs> I've been to Haiti a couple times. Haiti is the poorest country in our hemisphere, by a lot. It's the fourth poorest country in the world. All of the other Caribbean countries, they're poor, but they're they're picked up. By tourism, there's things happening there. There's money that flows in. The poverty's not as great. There's still some poverty. They share an island with the Dominican Republic. And the Dominican Republic is good. It's not great, but it's, it's much better. It fares much better. Now, Haiti was a slave colony. And they were the only slave rebellion to ever overcome the, 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 the oppressors, in this case, it was the French army. And there's many Haitians who will attest to the fact that they made a deal with the devil. There's even some thoughts of that there were sacrifices made. And their religion is voodoo, voodoo, but it's voodoo, what we call voodoo. They still have the largest voodoo gathering in the world. Two million people fled to this town, Gonaives, that I visited. And they say, you don't want to be there because you will see things. Right? They made a deal, and now they're kept in poverty. I can't help but think maybe there's some iniquity that the country, the land itself, is holding on to. How do we overcome it? Look, Jesus already overcame any iniquity. He overcame it. It's done with right? He was crushed for it. He was crushed for your iniquity, for the iniquity of your ancestors, for the iniquity of the, the pe- your countrymen, the iniquity of, he came, overcame it all already. How do we begin to overcome it? Acknowledge your personal iniquity that has affected your, the people around you, including your children. Like, I don't do this stuff. I don't, I don't teach you this stuff and say this is the things that we have to do without having done this myself. I was talking to some people. I was going through some inner healing um, deliverance stuff earlier this week and they were breaking generational iniquities off of me over my line. Like, what's your ethnicity? And I said, well, I'm half Mexican. And they said, okay, anything weird in your history? And I was like, well, yeah, there's some witches somewhere in there, I think. And and they're like, yeah, there's a lot of idolatry in Mexican, so we're just going to pray for generational iniquity. If anything came from idolatry or witchcraft or occult, we're just going to break it off. Yeah. So I, I prayed. I went through it. I I did it. We have to acknowledge it. And then so I'm able better to acknowledge my stuff now. I'm better able to realize, whew, okay. If people that I've never met that I don't know might've done something that's affecting me now, how much more uh, are my kids that do know me and do have to live with me? How much are they gonna be affected? I have to acknowledge it, I have to turn around, I have to confess it, turn from it, go to God. Confess and go to God. In Ezra chapter nine, Ezra goes on behalf of a whole nation right, they're they're rebuilding the temple, and he goes, and he says, look, all of our ancestors, you know what they did? They took the wives of the countries that you told us not to take wives from. They went to the nations you told us to have nothing to do with it, and they intermarried with them. So I'm going to stand on behalf of all of them, and I'm going to acknowledge what happened. I'm going to confess what happened, and I want you to break that power of that sin over your nation right now. And God does. And God does. You may have to repent and stand in the gap and ask for forgiveness on behalf of your ancestors. That's what I told you I was just doing. Ask Jesus to cover it and take the consequences away. This can be done in family lines, in houses or land, or in a church. I've heard so many stories, uh, just a couple personal ones, but other ones just some things that I, I listen to or read. I've heard so many stories of houses holding on to iniquity. That sounds so weird. You know the concept of a haunted house? I'm not saying there's ghosts there, but a house can hold on to iniquity. And so if you, is there ever a house in your town or a neighborhood? Man, everybody who goes to live there, they leave in three months. Nobody stays there long. Weird stuff starts happening to them or in their family, so they leave. And it can happen in a church. A couple weeks ago, I emailed our elders here, Andy and Alan. Tim had already left, but I still included him on the email. I thought it was appropriate. I said, what iniquity does faith church need to repent of? right? I don't say this stuff and not back it up. I try my best not to. So what iniquity does faith church need to repent of? I have a few, and all of them email me back. Alan been here for a few decades. Andy's been here longer than that. Tim had been here for 15 years. And so everything that they gave me, I wrote down. And I want to have Andy and Alan come up. Ezra was the leader of the nation. And so Ezra confessed the iniquity. If you go read, if you go read Ezra chapter nine, he's not confessing sin and he's not confessing transgression. He is confessing iniquity. I had a few people. I had one person tell me, say, I had a vision of Andy repenting on stage. And I was like, Wow, what did Andy do? <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta talk to him. But I, I, it's this. Another person had something similar. We wrote them down. We're gonna confess, and some of these you're gonna read. They're, they're gonna read. If you're a visitor here with us this morning, I know we have a few visitors. If you're a visitor here with us this morning, it's just the kind of stuff we do here. It's a little strange, maybe it's a little weird, but it's biblical. If you feel uncomfortable, I apologize. Kind of. <laughs> but we want to put our money where our mouth is. And if in any way anything is going to is going to put a an umbrella, a lid, a cap on what God wants to do in this place, we want to take it off. So we had our leadership, we had our leadership take a good hard look and think about all the things that have happened. And so Andy's gonna read some things and some of them are me. I'm not gonna raise my hand for which ones, (laughs) but some of them are me. Some of them are not me. Some of them are from before I came. But what I want you to do is I just want you right now to just stand in agreement with what Andy's going to read and Alan as he stands up here, of what God wants to do.
4: Yes.
3: Okay, so Andy, why don't you come on up? Alan, come on up. And we're just going to stand. He has, he's reading some, some things, and then we're going to go.
5: Holy Spirit. We ask you you come as we come before a holy God. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for the cross. Thank you. Charles was already told you I was the oldest one. And glasses. <laughs> as an elder, I choose to stand and represent the leadership of Faith Church. I choose to stand in the gap as a representative of the people, like Ezra did. I come before a just and holy God to ask for forgiveness on behalf of the leadership and people of Faith Church who came before us. I declare before you that we forgive current and past leadership, and past attenders of Faith Church for their actions that brought these generational iniquities and their consequences into our church. We relinquish all hate and desires for revenge into your hands for you to bring judgment against them. I also renounce and repent of any and every way that any part of myself and past and present leadership has knowingly or unknowingly willingly or unwillingly, participated in these iniquities. So here's our list. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of any pastor, any time a pastor or person has quenched the moving of the Holy Spirit in the name of control, being uncomfortable, or fear of man. We want to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Anytime leadership has held traditions rather than the Word, we understand that we can nullify the Word of God by the tradition of man. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of poor leadership that knew your vision but did not follow you through it. We want to run the race you have set before us. Forgive us for the past iniquity of all leadership that has overstepped their bounds in pride or desire for control. We believe a leader is the one who serves and obeys the leading of the Spirit. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of sexual immorality or adultery committed by leadership and pastors of Faith Church. We want to flee from any hint of sexual immorality. Father, please forgive us the past iniquity of any worship of men or idolatrous symbols designed to bring worship to anything other than the Father, Jesus, or the Spirit, including spiritual icons or Freemasonry symbols. We, as little children, will keep ourselves from idols. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of poor financial decisions not ordained by you, including any sinful debt incurred. We believe the debtor is slave to the lender. Father, please forgive the past iniquity for any member that made oaths of financial support that were not followed through, specifically, Faith for the Future and Operation Freedom. Father, commit us to make our yes be yes and our no be no. Anything else is from evil. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of any and all acts of racism towards a human being created in your image in this church, building, or on church grounds. In your kingdom, economy, there is no Jew or Greek, man or woman, slave or free. Father, please forgive us the past iniquity of those who have believed the lie of the enemy and have caused strife and discord with their actions. We are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of gossip against leaders, members, or attenders of faith church. We know that slander reveals secrets, so we do not associate with a simple babbler. Gossip by leaders, members, or attenders of faith church. We know that we cannot be right with you and not bridle our tongue. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of the lies and false promises made by the leadership of the people. To the people of Faith Church, we know that lying lips are an abomination to you, but those who act faithfully are your delight. Father, please forgive the past iniquity of any and all times that Faith Church has not been a church that reaches out to neighbor, friend, or community. We want to be a light that is not hid under a basket. So I ask you in the name of Jesus our Lord Jesus Christ to put his shed blood between Faith Church and these harmful generational iniquities breaking these inheritances and their curses from our church body and from the life of Faith Church going forward a thousand generations. I ask you to remove from us all evil and ungodly entities, and anything else that gained access to us because of these church-related generational iniquities, to pass judgment on them, to dispatch them to the destinations of your choosing as appropriate, and to close and seal with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ any access points. Please fill all evacuated places with your true Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus. Fill us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill this place. Fill these grounds. As you remove these generational iniquities from Faith Church and the people of faith, will you please release any of your generational blessings intended for us that were blocked because of these iniquities? Will you pour on us the goodness of God and, that was missed because of these iniquities. You are true, righteous, and holy. I pray we serve only You in spirit and in truth. Amen.
3: I'm have the, have the band come up. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Alan. I want you to ask the Spirit if there's anything in your life that you're struggling with, that you're dealing with, that you're fighting with that might come from generational iniquity. And ask Him to point out where you're or your iniquity is affecting those around you as well. And I also want us to celebrate the freedom that Jesus brings. That we've repented of it, said it, confessed it, and He is faithful.
4: Yes.
3: He is just yes. to cleanse us, to forgive us and to lead us. He is faithful to a thousand generations. He visits the iniquity for three to four and the blessings go to a thousand. stand with
4: us.
3: (laughs) This isn't what they're going to play, and I'm not asking them to play it, but if you know this chorus, just sing it with me just for a second. You are good, good. So good. You are good, good. So good. You are good, good. So good. You are good, good.
1: going on. There's a lot happening in the room. The Lord is moving. Let's not quench that. If you don't know this song, I want to go back to that bridge, Jared, because it says, now my debt is paid, is paid in full. So through repentance, your debt can be forgiven. And the curse can be broken right here, right now. So if you know of a that's over your life, over your family because of things that your parents and their parents have done. Come and let somebody walk you. We'll be more than willing to walk you through getting that broke off of your life, okay? Don't delay, don't delay. Don't walk out of here with the same weight on you that you came in with.
4: Now my, now my debt, debt is, is paid. Is How is paid? it paid? Paid it full? The precious blood that my Jesus now came. the curse now the curse
3: if you stood the whole time, but we'll let you sit. I'm going to bring down Vanessa. Come down in the water with me, Vanessa. gets a little cold on your toes, but we're all right. Yeah. This is a little bit different of a baptism, and I'm going to have Vanessa kind of talk to that and explain that and why she's in the water um, here this morning.
2: since I was a little girl and I can even remember when I was truly saved I was in a church like this and I couldn't run to the altar fast enough until God I wanted to be a warrior for him and through my life and seeing Pastor Charles and um, counseling and receiving deliverance and if any of you feel called to that I encourage you I really do, because it has absolutely changed my life and helped me really grow and, and really get to know God even better than I did before. And um, through this, my mother as well, we, we both got the same message from the Holy Spirit through our deliverance. So we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Our our house is, is filled with only the Holy Spirit. And when we ask, That the Holy Spirit and thank Jesus and give him all the glory and praise that we will always forever only be his and to do his work so I'm and I want to encourage you because I know I can see there's so many of you that want to be a part of this the Holy Spirit is calling you don't let fear don't let anxiety don't let the enemy hold you back something amazing is happening and God is working so thank you for being part of this (laughs)
3: we have three scheduled if anybody else wants to get in the water you have to stand up and go now to right here this door right here you have about 10 seconds and if nobody does that's fine 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 okay we'll still do it if you get up later So, Vanessa, it's my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mona Marie, come on down. This is Vanessa's mom. Do you want to say anything as well, or just echo what Vanessa said? Echo what Vanessa, echo what Vanessa said. <laughs> awesome. Also one thing. Yeah, we got to step to the mic then.
1: For iniquities, from my family and on, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and do the work that God wants me to do.
3: In Jesus' name. It's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. second. It gets a little bit tight, little traffic jams back here every now and then. Um, but for this next one, Andy's gonna join me. Um, he was a little bit like Superman, went confess sins and then changed really quick um, into new clothes so you can come do what we're doing here um, this morning
1: lord prepare me to be a sanction
3: Donovan's been coming every week for six, seven weeks. And when we did our teaching on the gift of tongues Sunday night, God really met a couple few Sunday nights ago, God really met Donovan. And on Wednesday, he went to Bible study and he came in and he found Andy. Andy's prayed with him and talked with him. And so I just need to be baptized. I just need to be baptized. And he said, I'll do it anywhere. I'll pool, lake, river, I don't care. I just want to be baptized. And I told Andy, we have baptism Sunday. It'll be a little little bit warmer than a pool right now. But I want to bring down um, Donovan. So Donovan, come on in, and Andy's going to join us. would never
1: to do lyrics. I, I just, uh, let's stand together and just uh, kind of rejoice. Yes. Oh, does anybody feel this Let's just go to the chorus of Jesus Paid It All, Fred. racing thing, and the Lord wants you to share. Don't miss a moment. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. All right. If it's not you, all right. Father, we ask the things that you've done in the past that you would do it again and you would do it in greater measure. Oh, church, prepare, prepare the way of the Lord. We are, you are dismissed. You can stay and sing or, um, or, or you're set to go.